the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. We're glad to have you listening in. I am Ben South. Glad to have my co-host, Danny Smith, along with me from the Mountain Time Zone. Danny, how are you today? Well, Ben, I'm doing well. And yep, out here in Mountain Time, it's always fun to get our schedules to sync up because sometimes we forget, oh, wait a minute, when I say 2.30, that's 3.30 your time. And uh, I had a kind of a funny, uh, well, it's funny now. At the time, I missed an online meeting because it was Pacific time, which I'm constantly thinking forward, and I forget Pacific time is actually even behind me. And so I'm sitting here on Zoom waiting for this guy to join. I'm like, where's he at? And I realized the meeting <laughs> hasn't started yet. So it's uh, – yeah, these time zones are fun. You grew up Eastern time zone. You've lived a lot of your adult life in Central time zone. Now you're in Mountain. You don't ever think about Pacific oh, time goodness. zone. My goodness, that's right. That's right. I'm confused enough, much less keep uh, on confusing myself with these <laughs> things. And you know, when I moved to Arkansas for college, I moved, of course, to Central time zone from East. And I remember thinking, why is the news on at ten o'clock and at night? Shouldn't it be eleven? It's the eleven o'clock news. So, yeah, got to watch those time zones. Got to watch where we're at, but. Uh, yeah. So what time is the news on in Mountain Time Zone? Yeah, you know, I guess it just says, hey, we, uh, we're going to be 10 o'clock still. And so at, uh, I guess at this point in the country, they just decide, hey, we're, we're doing our own thing. And I've never been to the Pacific Coast, so I don't know what time they have things like that. Or if they just decided, yeah. yes, Central Time Zone is the correct way to do things, so they just everyone else follows that That's or right. what? Yeah, I'm thinking that might be the case now. I don't know. I landed in California one time. I was on a flight from Washington back to Wyoming, and uh, that's the only time I've been, so hard to tell. But i tell you what messes with you is like my all my family lives in Georgia, and I had to go, so let's say like 7.30 at night. I think, man, I'm going to call my cousin. Oh, wait. This nine thirty. Never mind. So yeah, you got to really think through uh, these time zone things. So Danny, you've had some shifts in your uh, life and schedule because you are now more to a independent contractor in your in your uh, bivocational work, and so our schedules are lining up more. But you you kind of have to look at things differently now, though, aren't you? Yeah, it's it's nice. The the Lord's really provided an opportunity uh, for a different job than I did have. Uh, still, sort of in the insurance world, but um, you know, as we get ready to plant a church, which is so funny because all of this is lined up perfectly again in the Lord's timing. But um, just as kind of that train gets rolling, uh, this job's just allowed a lot more flexibility. I'm super thankful for that. But I tell you what, I really have to manage my time well. Um, and you know, like anybody else, there are times I manage my time well, and then there are seasons where I don't. And so I'm really having to sync up calendars, really just having to make sure I take care of business and really having to make sure that if I'm asking people to be a part of something, I've got to make sure that I'm communicating that well, and that I'm really taking time, um, to communicate back to them because there's just a lot of moving parts. And so, yeah, it's, it's a whole new uh, learning experience again in my life. Uh, but you're right. It, it's definitely a shift and it's a good shift, but it's requiring me to kind of think through what I'm planning, how I'm planning it, how it involves my family and really how it involves potentially others in, 
church planting and everything else. Well, there's a lot of truth in that statement. It reminds me of a conversation I actually had today again with some leaders in our church. And the question we kept asking ourselves is how much can we expect people to do? How much does it take for someone to be a fully committed, uh, focused, involved, engaged member of our church? And what does it look like for a mature disciple? How much involvement should we expect of a mature disciple? You know, as a church planner, you're going to be looking at that as you start planning the church. But in an established church, we have all these programs. We have all these things like how much of this should we expect people to realistically be engaged with. So that might be something we can just kind of spitball here and talk about and how do we deal with that and how much involvement should be considered, you know, regularly or faithfully involved in our ministry. Yeah, I think right out of the gate, you know, you mentioned this conversation you're having some of your church leaders. There is a frustration, I think, um, both in the chair two leader uh, and in the leadership of your church that helps serve in that particular ministry when at least in their eyes, it doesn't look like people maybe are pulling their weight. Maybe they're not contributing the time-wise. Uh, and it can be frustrating. It could be a source of friction in your church. And so I think right out of the gate, the first thing we could say is, is really it is an act of grace in what we're doing. Um, I've got a couple of families I'm working with right now to help us plant the church. They, too, work full-time. So between my job schedule and their job schedule. And Ben, I will say the Lord uh, has been gracious over the last probably seven or eight months as I've been really in this bivocational world, but even more so, uh, you know, I'm in those planning phases of church ministry and church planting. And so our Sundays have been spent with a another church here in town, just a place where we can serve and we can give. And honestly, I've had to kind of think through what have I asked people in the past? What have I, uh, you know, maybe made a requirement or maybe that's not the right word, but an expectation on people uh, demands place on people's time. So yeah, I just think it, it all begins with the grace of understanding what people's daily, weekly, monthly schedules look like, and then just trying to plan accordingly. And I mean, I think we need to press people for sure. I think it's easy to be passive and lazy uh, in the Christian life, but I, I definitely think it all begins with grace and trying to understand what do these folks have going on in their life. I remember years ago, my brother, who at the time was a part-time student minister, and he said he had read and, and somebody else wrote this. I didn't. I don't even know where it came from, so I'm not taking credit for it. This is not original to me. I have no idea where he got this, but that people have three spiritual coins in their pocket and they'll spend those three coins during the week to do certain things or so many things. But it's rare that you're going to find someone with four or five or six coins that they can spend. And the way he explained it to me was that, okay, on Sunday morning, if they're coming for Sunday school or your life groups and then worship, that's two coins. And so they've got one more coin for that week. Well, if it's a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, that may be their coin for the week. Now, I don't know that that's a good approach. Hey, we're only going to do three things a week because that's not a lot when you look into the spectrum of things. But we really have to look at the, the reality of life. And, you know, people are driving further to work. And some of this is going to be dependent upon the culture of your church. Are you in a more urban or suburban environment or a rural environment? Uh, do the people live close? You know, if they're spending, 
you know, every day they're driving 45 minutes to work one way. They're not getting home till six o'clock at night, and then they've got dinner, and then they've got to come out two nights a week for a Bible study. They're probably just not going to be as faithful or dependable to come to that. And I don't even know if it's a realistic expectation every week. Uh, I don't know that we're going to come to any solutions on any of this, but we, I think these are conversations your church and your ministry needs to have. What does it look like to be faithful? Is it realistic for us to expect people to come Sunday morning, Sunday night, to come to a Tuesday night Bible study, to come to Wednesday night prayer meeting, and to do an activity on that next weekend. That's a lot time-wise in the week for people to do because they're also doing school. They're doing homework with their kids. They're going, if their kids are in any sports, if they are involved in any community groups, and all of those things are good and can be God-honoring and godly things for them to be engaged in the community with. And so that gives them opportunity to invite people. But if they're, we have them tied up at church every night of the week, they're not able to get out there, meet people, and do those kind of things. That's That's some of those conversations we've had. I don't know that we've ever solved it. But I think there are things we need to think through as we plan. I recently, before we moved back, served at a church, and it was primarily a church of folks who lived very close by. Uh, They were retired, and a a lot of them had hit retirement years, and they were very active. It wasn't uncommon to have people at the church every single day of the week. Um, But again, their life, season of life, allowed them to do that. And, And, you know, Ben, I think it makes us take a step back and and there's two thoughts I have here. One is I think as leaders, there's an inward pressure that I think we feel sometimes because we are employed by the church to make it look like that our employment is worth the money that people are giving and spending and budgeting for that position. So in our positions, if we never plan anything, it's going to look like we're just drawing a check. Whereas if we're not careful, we can let that inward pressure feel like I've got to do something all the time. And that's not healthy for you as a leader, because, uh, you know, there's going to be nights that you're going to you need to be at your child's ball game or your grandchild's you know, ball game. Uh, you, you want to be able to be at home with your family. But then there's that pressure thinking, should I be doing more? Should I plan more because I need to look busy? So I think on the one hand, there's that. I just think there's that inward pressure that we deal with. And again, we got to use grace in that um, and, and understand how that works. I think that works with our people, and it also works toward extending grace to ourselves because we need that downtime too. We need to not be constantly at the church. And there's those times where I feel guilty. There's this thing going on or this good thing, this ministry I could be engaged with. I, I dealt with a little bit of that this week, actually. There was a prayer gathering in our community. The Association of Churches was doing. It was a good thing. I wish I could have gone. But the night it was scheduled was the only night that whole week that I was going to be home. And three of those nights were already tied up with other ministry events. One was with a Christian organization that I partner with in the community. And then we have a family obligation. So that one night was the only night I was going to be at home. And so I was like, I would love to go and spend some time in prayer, but I really need to go home and be dad for these hours this evening. And so you need to get to a point where you're okay saying, no, I can't do it. And it's an okay thing. And don't feel too guilty. The same way we need that, we need to not guilt our people in the church into participating and being there for every single possible event we can schedule. Some are going to do it. Some want to. They live for that. But just because somebody doesn't do every single thing doesn't mean they're not faithfully following Christ. 
Yeah, 100%. Absolutely agree. And, and I'll just say one more quick thing about that. And that was kind of the second thought was, it is a product of our discipleship sometime, if we're not careful, that we make, um, we make being a follower of Christ and a church member all about just these boxes to check about, did you serve at so many events? Did you show up at so many Bible studies? Again, we're not going to solve it on this podcast today, nor are we, hopefully, you're not hearing us say that those things are bad. They can be very good and they can be very helpful. It's just realistically, what can we do in terms of discipleship to say, I just want to make sure that the, the things we're asking our folks to do really is going to produce godliness and help them pursue Christ more in their everyday life and not just when they're in a room at the church. When it comes to scheduling events, and it may be that you schedule, this is a great Bible study that we need to have. Our people need it. And the truth is, they may need it. It may be a you know, a theological study. It may be a practical study. And it may be something the people in your church really need. And it may be that you've planned it, you've advertised, and have six people show up. I want to encourage you, that's not a failure. Because you have done something in ministry, you have made something available that you're going to have the opportunity to minister to those six people. I think we get into this idea that we have to have large percentages or large numbers of people for these ministries for them to be successful. And that just buys in, I think, a lie from the devil. But you minister, you teach to those who are there. We don't minister and serve the kingdom just for big numbers. We do it for faithfulness for those who are there we can minister to. Yeah, we'd love for more to. We'd love for all of them to. But the reality is they're not all going to. So work hard to get more there, but then be faithful, just as faithful. Be encouraged. Be excited about what God has led you to do for those six people. It may have been that God only wanted a handful of people to come to this study, not everyone who possibly could have. So don't think just because nobody is showing up or what you assume or think is nobody is showing up. Don't get discouraged in that. Be faithful to teaching that those few who do show up or leading those who do show up, who serve with those who do show up, and just keep working and, and, and pushing forward from there. Yeah, absolutely. I know um, if there's that inward pressure, Ben, sometimes there's that outward pressure to go, yeah, but the church down the road did the same study and they had, a hundred people show up. It's a different church. It's a different dynamic. And so you never know how God's going to use whatever percentage of people show up. You never know generationally what God's going to use out of that time. That's true. And so if we've got some of those events, we're trying to figure out, is this event worth our time and investment to plan and to invest in it? And we're trying to figure out, okay, is this something our people need? What are a few things that you think we need to be aware of as we do that to make sure those things we do decide that we need to do to put on the ministry calendar are, um, are worth doing? I think it makes a church think through really what their vision and mission is in that community. I think anytime we plan an event, we, we have to ask ourselves or a Bible study or any type of gathering, is this helping us accomplish what we sense God wants our church to do in this community? Again, there's an outward pressure to look at other churches and go, we need to do that because that looks successful over there. There's an inward pressure, but I think if we can think through is this allowing us to function as a church as we sense God calling us in it? And it may be for a church like Central that is 
you know, more than what, 80 years old, the central more than 80 years old. We'll be 70 this year. Okay. So 70 years old. So it may a church that's 70 years old or even a church plant like ours, that is still seven months away from officially gathering. You, you do, you think through and go, okay, Hey, what can our church do? Well, will this event help me do that? Will this Bible study aid us in that? But I think the other part of it is, is this going to help my people become more like Christ when they're at work and their coworkers complaining about their marriage or their children or their boss or their salary or just the world in general? And you have an opportunity to speak into those situations. Is it equipping people to do that? Or am I just making sure my calendar's full so that it looks good? I think those are two main things, um, at least in my opinion. That, that I want to make sure that every event, every Bible study, every gathering flecks back on those two things. What about you, Ben? What are some things that, that you see? Yeah, I think those are true, and I think I would add to that. As you're planning those things that support the vision, that meet those needs, make sure it's worth their time to choose this ministry option, this, this thing, whatever it is. If it's a service, if it's an outreach, if it's a gathering, whatever. Make sure it's worth their time to choose it. The, there's an old adage in education I've heard said the, the surest way to kill your next training meeting is to have a bad training meeting. So if you're planning an event or something, if you want to do this kind of thing going forward and you want them to be successful, this one that they, if you do get them there, better be worth their time. Make it worth the time of coming and and deciding to do that and investing. Now, we know there is spiritual good, there's spiritual growth that's going to happen in all of them, but they're going to have to believe that it's worth their time to choose it over the other options they've got because people have options. I mean, there's no shortage of things to do. There's plenty of opportunity to choose something else. People have more choices today than they've ever had. So you're going to have to make it appealing to them to choose it over the other options they have. How do you do that? Well, you appeal to needs that they have. They uh, they have concerns. They have desires. Can you meet some of those through these ministry options? That'll help them make that decision. And then I also think um, if you're saying, hey, this is an important thing for you to come to, it really better be important. You can't have multiple most important things every year. And if everything is of highest importance, nothing is important. So really look back to your vision, as you were saying, inside, okay, what are the truly important, necessary things for us to do in this ministry? If we could do nothing else in addition to our regular ministry and services, I, I think we're talking here on those added ministries specifically, not our weekly worship times. But if we could add nothing else, this is the one thing we'd add do that first do that well then that gives you some pocket change to go in and say okay we're going to add this and it's going to be worth your time too and people will believe you if the first thing was worth their time so you've got to be uh it's got to be worth their time and it really needs to be truly important not just claimed to be important i, I love that i love what you said um if everything is important, then nothing is important. I really like that. It gives our folks permission to use wisdom and discernment to go, hey, this week, you know what? Works kind of light this week. Um, maybe kids, whatever, 
light week at school, maybe they're out of school for the summer, I've got more time. Use that time. Let folks use wisdom and discernment for what is best for their family, what is going to help glorify the Lord and all that. Yeah, just helping them understand and give them permission to go, you know, I'm going to sit this prayer meeting out, not because I don't think it's important, not because I don't think it's good. It's just where I'm at this week, this isn't going to happen. And so there's a fine line, right? There are going to be people who exploit this on both sides. Um, And there are going to be folks whose personality just lends itself to go, why aren't they here? Boy, they really need to be here. And you just have to be able to lead and shepherd in those times and go, hey, it's okay. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, we don't want to come back and guilt them into coming back because you might get some of them back, but they're not going to get the benefit as if they truly desire to be there. What you do want to accomplish is to work on changing those desires so they desire to be there for that instead of just guilting them to come back and shaming them into coming and being engaged. What you're going to find then is that you're going to see burnout. You're going to see disengagement on a larger scale than if you had just shown a little grace and a little understanding and just, you know, realize where people are. And I think as we plan, we need to understand the life stages people are, because like you said, the church where you served last was a much older congregation. They had more free time. They could give more evenings because they didn't have homework. They didn't have ball games. Well, and young couples and teenagers and college students, they can give more nights a week. But a, a family that's got preschool kids and grade school kids or high schoolers, they've got some other obligations in what God has called them to be as a husband and as a father that we need to give them the freedom to do those things without guilt. Again, it's all about equipping people to follow Christ where they live, where they work, where they play, where they go. And so it's not always at your event and it's sometimes out and you trust the Lord to use that. And something else that I think you talked about that guilt, you know, not guilting people in. One thing I've noticed over the years. So let's say you have a series of events and Bible studies and there's a particular family that has just for whatever reason, not plugged in, not engaged. I've been amazed over the years how I'll get a phone call or a text or an email, maybe just after church, they'll stop by and go, Hey, I know we haven't been at a lot lately. We've had a lot going on, but you know what? I was talking to my wife or I was talking to my husband and, you know, we just decided we've got to get a little more involved. You're praying that the Holy Spirit is bringing that awareness and where conviction is needed uh, for those folks that are not plugging in and engaging. And then I think sometimes too, there's just an association there when people go, man, this was a great event, man, how, whether it was the fun or whether it was what they learned. And then sometimes people go, man, I hate to miss out. I don't want to do that again. So again, we're just praying that the spirits at work in all this as well. Yeah. And if you're doing those events that people are benefiting from, lives are being changed, word's going to get around. And those people who, "Ah, I don't have time for that this time, they're going to wonder, okay, did I really miss out on that? And next time they're going to engage. So just be faithful where you are. Keep plugging along. Give grace freely. Don't throw guilt around and just make sure it's worth their time in ministry and encourage them toward faithfulness. Don't guilt them into legalistic falling in line. Yeah, I agree. Just know your people too. I mean, here in Wyoming, we have a lot of energy uh, sector work, coal mines, natural gas, oil fields. It's not unusual for those guys and girls to work 75, 80 hours a week. Uh, or to be two weeks on, two weeks off, and they're trying to squeeze a lot in. So, yeah, it's yeah, give grace. Yeah, just know there's a lot going on there. I think you mentioned, Ben, that people are more 
Um, they're, they're more busy than ever. And I think that's right. And, uh, there's so much joy in seeing people grow in Christ likeness that we don't want to add anything that's going to be a hindrance to that. That's right. Even though you have a Georgia bulldog hanging behind your head, our hey, listeners can't see that. But, and that's it's, right. It's a blessing for you that you can't. I mean, it's such a distraction. So well, we don't especially, want to put that. you know, I mean, we're still living off euphoria of a national championship. But I tell you, our basketball team is so bad that it is almost embarrassing to be a Bulldog fan right now. I mean, we're not just bad. I think we set the SEC – not we. I don't play on the team, but I talk like I'm on the team. But our team set the record for most losses in a season in uh, school history. So I still love them. I still support them. Thankfully, it's baseball season, although that has not just shot out of the gate like I hoped it would. But, uh, hey – our football team's still national champions, so we're okay with that. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, and just keep plugging along in ministry. Encourage people to come. Don't guilt them. I mean, probably it's not as bad as the Georgia basketball team where you are. So I, there's always room for growth, but there's there's a lot more good going on in your ministry than you probably are giving right. it credit for. So we hope you have a great week. Hope to catch you next time on Chair 2 Leaders. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.